everybody. Welcome to another episode of All the WrestleManias. I'm your co-host, Tim Hackman. And I'm Rich Sigwald. We're excited, as always, to be back in the studio with you. Today, we've got a special episode, one of our We Were There editions of All the WrestleManias, where we talk about a show that we actually had a chance to attend in person. Uh, hopefully, you caught our episode a little while back on the 1994 King of the Ring that uh, a young and impressionable uh, Rich managed to attend by stuffing the ballot box at his local grocery store. It involved uh, in-person appearances by Randy Savage, uh, Father's Day. It was There was a lot going on in that show. Um, so uh, hopefully you can go back and take a look at that one. So for this episode, it's my turn to tell you that I was there. Uh, and the show in question is WWE Capital Punishment from June 19th, 2011. Also a Father's Day show, actually, um, live and in living color from the Verizon Center at Washington, D.C. Uh, attendance is uh, just a little one. It's uh, 9,850. Um, pay-per-view buys are a, a minuscule 170,000 compared to just over a million for the last WrestleMania we watched for you. Uh, and this was sort of a one-off event that was replaced by No Way Out the following year. So there hadn't been and there maybe won't ever be another capital punishment. So I was there and it was, it was a one of a kind event, you know? Yeah. And this, this event replaced the fatal four way pay-per-view as well. So it's just like they're, they're desperately trying to find something. Yeah. So let's put it in DC. Let's do a play on the, the word capital. Uh, let's build a big ass fancy set that looks like the Capitol building with TVs built into it uh, and just, you know, see what happens. This one is it's nowhere near as important or as memorable as that that King of the Ring show. Um, there's no Bret Hart, sadly. Um, there is some R Truth. Um, that's that's maybe the the best you're gonna get. I don't know. Um, yeah, I hate you for going to this show. <laughs> Why is that? Um, I don't. I don't. Not because I'm jealous that you went, but more that you gave them money for this, and yeah. that you you supported it, and um, it made us watch it. Yeah, now we're making you I, watch it and talk about it. So, yeah, fuck I, you. Yeah, thanks, <laughs> thanks. You're what a pal. What a yeah. pal. Well, uh, when we um decided to go see this in 2011, I told my wife, you know, someday I'm going to have a podcast about WrestleManias, and my co-host is really going to hate that I make him watch this show. And she said, "What's well, a podcast? It's 2011. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about." Um, and I said, "Just trust me." Just one day. Just one day. One day I'm going to record a radio show, but it's for the internet instead. And you're going to listen to it on your on your smartphone. And you're not yeah. going to know what that is. And you're not. <laughs> I definitely still had a a flip phone that, that could have been uh, pounded through uh, steel in 2011. That phone is still in use in Bangladesh. So, <laughs> Well, I hope they're enjoying it. I hope they're enjoying my saved games of Snake. <laughs> have a good time over there guys um so i was trying to think 2011 exactly where i was i would have been living in greenbelt maryland which is sort of a suburb of of dc just um inside no just outside the beltway i guess technically um historic greenbelt maryland look it up it's a planned community built during the new deal it's kind of an interesting place uh, I was working as a subject librarian at UMD. I was kind of getting to the end of my stretch as a subject librarian where I was starting to get bored with it a little bit and start to look around for uh, 
steps up and out, uh, but hadn't quite found my niche yet. So I was had some disposable time and income. I wasn't terribly invested in my job. So and and you know I don't remember watching very much WWE at this time. But I think we must have been like tuning in occasionally, you know, sort of out of curiosity or out of habit, because um, I don't know where I would have seen the ad for this otherwise, you know. Yeah, uh, I know in 2011, I was I was about to turn 31 when this aired. Uh, I was sharing an apartment in Woodlawn, Maryland with my uh, friend Andy and working circulation at the our Butis Library, I think, at this point. Uh, I had probably, about now, I had just made the decision to go for my master's degree in library science uh, just because I was, I didn't know what else to do. Like, I had a pretty solid job in libraries and I liked working in the library and I saw myself becoming a, a long-term public librarian, which is not what turned out. But, you know, that's that was kind of the goal at that point. Uh, I wanted to get out of circulation because literally the job had just turned into scan book barcode, do what computer tells you. <laughs> and um, I kind of got bored with that. Uh, I think at this point, I as far as wrestling, I had pretty much stopped watching SmackDown. Because had Raw gone three hours yet at this point? Uh, it, it was a struggle to get through the two hours of Raw. Yeah. And then you're going to tell me I got to watch another two hours on what, at this point, Friday night again. I think SmackDown had now moved to Friday night. And it was this. <clears throat> I wasn't a big John Cena guy. Uh, and they really didn't have anyone else that was enough to draw my attention. Like, I didn't like Christian as a solo guy, I don't like Randy Orton. I hate the Miz. There was yeah. nothing there for me at this point anymore. I didn't have my my Bret Hart or really my Undertaker or uh, Stone Cold. Definitely didn't have anybody. There was nothing there that I I really was was a fan of. It had it had grown past me, I guess, and I just assumed that maybe I had matured out of watching wrestling or something. But that wasn't yeah. true. It just literally wasn't. <laughs> I didn't like it. I didn't like what they were doing and it, it, I screamed for WWE to have competition. Yeah. And now here we are sort of. Yeah. Here we are. Well, and yeah, when you look at this card, you can tell they're struggling a little bit um, in the talent department. There's, uh, there's some folks here who aren't around anymore. And then there's also some folks here who are still on the card, still main eventers or pretty close to it. Um, which is maybe not a great thing for the company. Um, Raw went to three hours in uh, July of 2012, so at this point we had one more year to go. But yeah, I think um, I would have. I think I would have been watching, like I said, off and on, maybe more out of habit than anything else. Monday nights, not much else to uh, to watch, especially when football's not on. So, but uh, the Verizon Center where this was held is uh, downtown DC, just sort of at the edge of Chinatown. When we moved to the area in 2000, it was the MCI Center. And then, of course, MCI WorldCom exploded in a huge scandal and uh, went bankrupt. And, and they, uh, part of them got bought up by, by Verizon. Um, one of the things I always liked is when we would go to Wizards games, when it was the Verizon Center, the Wizards announcers would call it the phone booth because it's Verizon. Get it? 
Yeah. Now it's the Capital One Arena. There's nothing fun to say about the Capital One Arena. No. Yeah, I guess it's like the Ravens commentators calling the M&T Bank Stadium the ATM. <laughs> I get it. Meh. Meh. It's sort of like a reverse ATM, though. Like, it just siphons money out of your wallet. Put cash in it from the from the people that go and from the local government. Just suck it in all. <laughs> so. Yeah, those purple seats don't pay for themselves. No. Though, um... Booker T, Jerry Lawler, and Michael Cole are on commentary for this one. Uh, of course, I wouldn't have seen or heard <sighs> them from the stands. <laughs> and thank God for that. Oh, my God. So that is the one place where you are lucky. Because we're in, we just came off of Jerry Lawler and Michael Cole having their match at WrestleMania 27. So oh, sweet that, Jesus. Right. And... This is this is I mean I'll probably talk a little bit more about it when we actually get to WrestleMania 27 but this is one of the things that breaks my wrestling heart is that Jerry Lawler's only only WrestleMania match is against Michael Cole and he puts Michael Cole over. Anyways, that's, that's some horse shit. Right, it is. He should have murdered his ass. Anyways, uh Michael Cole is working as heel announcer. So if you think he's god awful as a normal announcer, now he's a heel, so he's just a, he's even a bigger dick, and now is intentionally being a dick. Lawler is a face commentator, and Booker T is just like, I don't know what the hell's happening. <laughs> yeah, he's he's just happy to be there. I'm not entirely sure he knows what's going on. He's very close to playing the Art Donovan role here. He's like, you should <laughs> how much just does be that asking, guy weigh? Right? Just how much does that guy weigh? The commentator made me pause several times just to take a break from watching the show. I almost watched it on mute, but I was like, that's doing a disservice to this podcast. Well, thank you for your service and your sacrifice. We appreciate it. Yeah, no, Michael Cole's terrible. He's had some big anniversary and everybody's like fawning over him. Like, you guys realize he's terrible, right? Like, he's always been terrible. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it. Longevity doesn't make quality. That's for sure. So I do remember the, uh, there's a, like I said, an elaborate capital model set at one end of the stadium and there's a, a video board kind of built into it. I remember that being pretty impressive in that space and walking into the stadium. So our seats were actually over on, if you were sort of on the floor facing the, uh, that capital thing, we were on sort of the left side. Um, kind of right above one of the tunnels, actually. Hmm. It was tickets were dirt cheap. And so we paid for like the 200 level seats and they were still like just really cheap. Um, so we had, we had a good view and you could see people as they came out on the stage and went down the ramp to the ring. So that was that part was cool. Um, and uh, but the crowd was uh, was a pretty f- interesting dc mix um i haven't been to much wrestling in dc we went to that aew show and that was sort of a whole different animal um it was very cena heavy i remember lots of little kids with their cena gear um fairly diverse because dc is a pretty diverse place um i don't know people i remember people being kind of into it but also like into being there and then also being kind of bored once the thing started because <laughs> yeah there's there's not a whole lot going on yeah the crowd seems up and down it's funny that you say that it looked impressive in person on tv it looked like shit in my opinion like it felt like it didn't really fit in the frame of the camera and the weird gaps between the video boards like weren't convincing like it was just kind of crap 
it looking like it looked cheap on TV. Yeah, I could see that. It was it was definitely oversized. Maybe that was maybe mostly what I was responding to. It's kind of this: you walk in, you're not really expecting to see that like model of the Capitol up there. So, but anyway, so the the big event here is our truth versus John Cena. Um, our truth has sort of he's he's come to chafe a little bit under his happy, friendly rapper persona and he's he's tired of the fans not appreciating his skills and he's attacked john cena he's stolen his belt he's maybe losing his mind a little bit um he's acting his ass off in those promos i don't know if that's just ron i don't know if ron's like i i don't know i don't know how much of that is him or what but it starts feeling a little little breaking the fourth wall-ish there it starts feeling a little a little true there was one moment in that video package where he's dressed as a Confederate officer. Yeah, it's a little weird. Uh, was that his idea? Was that their idea? It doesn't come off well. I hope it was his idea. I, otherwise, I can't imagine being the guy to suggest that. But he does tell us that he he knows the truth and the rest of us are sheep. So maybe, I don't know that he actually said the word sheeple, but I feel like he probably could have worked that in there. And his little jimmies and this, like, I understand. And John Cena's just, like, gaslighting him the whole time. Like, it just, it it's so weird. It's just such a weird build for a feud for the championship. It kind of reads as, like, the popular white guy, like, tormenting the guy with mental health issues a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a bit. <laughs> how it comes off. I'm like, that's not cool, John. Like, come on, man. No. I don't think John would do that. No. No, he's a good I hope guy. Not. <laughs> so I don't know how much of this card you want to talk about. I mean, I took a few notes on the matches going through. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of like title matches here. There's a yeah. U.S. Championship. There's an Intercontinental, and there's a Heavyweight, and then there's the WWE Championship. Um, yeah, there's there's as many title matches on this as there are in WrestleMania. So <laughs> no women's matches here. It's not a we're not no. in that phase at the moment. And no tag matches either, so those yeah. are done. Uh, but also no uh, sort of special, what do I want to say, special stipulations. No. There's no, like, no-holds-barred things, I guess. There's no no trash cans, we're past that. I guess we're sort of, this is kind of the more PG era, right? We're like... I think so, and it's more family-friendly. So, this whole show is dry. It's just so dry. <laughs> I don't know. Let's just get into the first match. uh, Kofi Kingston versus Dolph Ziggler. Yeah. Dolph's accompanied by Vicky Guerrero. Uh, I do remember how over Kofi Kingston was, especially with the kids in the crowd. Yeah. Um, They were flipping their shit for him. Uh, And, you know, know, he's a good guy. Um, I like that Dolph's trunks just say perfection. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, so I, I just took note that Dolph has already been in the WWE for seven years at this point, yep. minus a little over a year in the developmental Florida championship. Um, and then and again, he's still kicking around. He had a match just on Monday night. So he also, did you know this? He has a younger brother, Ryan Nemeth. Uh, Nemeth is Dolph's real last name. Um, Ryan is signed uh, to AEW. Oh, yeah. He's on, um, he's on, I, I don't think he's been on the show. He's on, he's been on Dark. Um, I saw him on results this week. I think he wrestled uh, wrestled with uh, Peter Avalon, maybe. Yeah, I think I've seen him tweeting some. Maybe that's where I've I've seen that. Mm. Um, but this match won again. They introduced the champ first. Damn it, WWE! Like, and we know we know that doesn't go well for the champion hardly ever. So, 
your telegraph in your first match right away. The music is garbage. All the entrance music is garbage. I have no idea what anybody's saying. All the songs sound the same. I don't know how you identify one wrestler from another. Uh, and like we're starting, we were getting into that era with the like WrestleMania 24 was this is like, I can't tell the difference between uh, Randy Orton's music, uh, Batista's music, uh, anybody else's music. Um, so, and then Michael Cole, for some reason, can't say Luxembourg. <laughs> he just keeps going Luxembourg, Luxembourg, Luxembourg. And like, I don't understand what's happening in commentary. Like, like they're 10 seconds in and they're just repeating themselves already. Like Michael Cole doesn't know what else to say. And he just has to talk constantly. So (laughs) it's a a very specific speech impediment. Yeah. And when, when you have your play by play guy, Michael Cole, uh, acting as a heel, you suddenly can't tell from the commentating who is face and heel. So I couldn't tell whether Kofi or Dolph were was face and which one was heel. I couldn't tell who was the good guy and the bad guy in this match. It was really disorienting. And it took me a very long time into the show before I got the hang of like what was happening with the commentary. And I think that might have been one of the things that turned me off from watching at this time period was just how confusing it is when your play-by-play guy is not straight, that he's he's either face or heel, it's very confusing and disorienting, especially when they're when they're a heel play-by-play. Yeah, well, especially when they're for shit, like Michael Cole. But right, like Gorilla Monsoon was always your your play-by-play, and Jesse was the color, or or Heenan was the color, right? And they they can heal it up all they want because uh, they're just sort of adding the the sauce, you know. But you got to get the meat and potatoes first figure out what the hell's going on that's a good point i don't know that i really noticed that maybe i maybe i'm better at tuning out michael cole than i realized i i think so uh and then during (laughs) this match there was a weird boom camera shot like panning across the ring while they were wrestling it was like martin scorsese was directing this first match they didn't do it for anything else during the whole show but like it's this like flyover shot it's slow across the ring, and it's just like a like an epic battle movie. Like, what is <laughs> what is going on? Are we like doing like a single shot through a casino walk? I don't I don't understand. Uh, I just just show me the match, please. Stop being fancy. They told the they told the second unit director like, all right, you get you can get one get one Brian De Palma moment, go for it, and then they go back <laughs> to normal. <laughs> well. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. This, I mean, this is okay. It's very, very modern style. Um, a lot of jumping around. Kofi gets distracted by Vicky, and she pulls on his hair. And when she does, then Dolph sneaks up and slaps a sleeper hold on him. Um, I did. There's a kind of cool move during the finish there. So he's got Kofi down on the mat in the sleeper hold. Kofi's kind of going for the rope. Dolph puts his foot on the rope and like kicks off. So they rolls both of them back into the center of the ring so that Kofi can't get to the ring. I thought that was actually kind of a clever move. I hadn't really seen that before. Yeah. I'm glad you went into this because the ref doesn't break the hold when Ziggler hits the rope. Yeah. And he should have the ref watched him do it and doesn't do anything. And the crowd just straight up calls bullshit. Like the crowd starts booing like crazy and they're not booing because Ziggler won. They're booing because they know that that's a bullshit finish and that the hold should have been broken. And then commentators 
start talking about it a little bit, but they blow it off some. And then the replay of the finish of the match intentionally leaves out that that rope move. Like they don't show it again. I don't think that was supposed to happen. I think it might have been a little botch improvisation that they did. Mm. And like the ref just sat there and watched him do it. Like the ref watched (laughs) him do it and didn't break the hold or anything like that. It's this is the first issue with the rope with the uh, rope rules that they have in this pay-per-view and is not the last. Um, They need to get their shit together in this show. (laughs) You should have been there. You should have been there to, uh, to to tell them what's what. So, but yeah, um, crowds are not pleased at that one at all. Um, Dolph gets the belt as the new United States champion. Obviously, he maybe sets it up for uh, Kofi to bounce back and to dispute that and to keep their feud going. So, um, let's see. Our our truth is uh, backstage. He's got the belt, so he claims that he's the champion. Uh, he stole it from John Cena. That's not how that works. Uh, there's actually a pretty good Miz promo there. And again, I'm not a Miz fan at all. He cuts a pretty decent promo there. He does a, a low key reading of his I'm the Miz and I'm awesome line that I thought was actually kind of cool. There is so much time between the matches. <laughs> it's a lot. Oh, oh my God. It's like solid 10 minutes from the bell to bell between these two matches. And we're now officially in the era to where everybody coming out has a hand gesture, they have a pose on the ramp, and then they have a pose once they get to the ring. So, like, it's very formulaic, very mechanical. Like, this is this is your character. You're going to come up with a weird hand hand pose, a weird hand gesture, like, like you're going to salute with three fingers and keep your pinky back, or like, or like your pointer back, or you're going to, or you're going to do like sign language love, but then the middle finger with the other hand. Like it's just a bunch of like weird, like gang signs that each wrestler flashes as their symbol. And then they get in, they get to the top of the ramp and they do a pose and then they get to the ring and they jump onto like the second or top rope and do a pose and then pose in the center of the ring. And it's, it's very, every wrestler has it and WWE is still doing this. Oh yeah, for sure. Everybody, uh, well, the women, especially everybody's got a, they come out and like hang on the ropes outside the ring in like a certain way. And Sasha Banks does like the kind of swooping forward and showing her hand to the camera or whatever. Maria Ripley like puts her arms behind her on the ropes and then puts her head down and then snaps her head back up. Like nobody cares. Like, come on, just get to it. Um, yeah gang signs is is a pretty good <laughs> pretty good description that'd be funny yeah. just start throwing up uh crips and bloods and let's just see what happens there's also two very good signs uh one sign is michael troll instead of michael cole it's michael troll love it it already begins punk deserves better wow wow they're right they are right um, yeah, there's a package on the Miz versus Alex Riley. I don't remember Alex Riley at all, but he and the Miz are buddies. They were tag team partners. They have a falling out. You know, wrestling is a tough business for friendships. They just, they couldn't, uh, they couldn't keep that connection. You know, it's tough. Nobody really cares. I don't care. This match I really struggled with. Uh, the commentating alone was just like murdering my ears and my brain. Like my brain was just turning to jelly. I couldn't handle Michael Cole being like, well, the Miz is so blah, blah, blah. He, he, he's great. Uh, and then Riley is basically just doing Stone Cold's moves. He does the Luthez press with the punches. He does a stunner. 
and it's again i don't like the miz and i don't <laughs> and i don't like anything really that he does except for you're going to be shocked i'm kind of enjoyed this whole logan paul shit because logan paul actually seems to kind of know what he's doing i've been surprised and also mad at myself for how much i've enjoyed yeah the logan paul stuff in the ring like he's yeah like he gets he's he's i don't know he's uh he's physically very adept you know he's he looks good he's he's not doing stupid shit like he's really he looks like he's really trying you know uh and he's been clearly he's had some decent training they didn't just throw him out there like oh i don't know dominic mysterio um they actually kind of prepped him for this stuff um yeah i'm curious to see where he goes i'm I, once they get him away from the Miz, and that's sort of his entree into the wrestling world. Um, but I think he's got some potential. Yeah. Anyways, back to this show. The Riley gets the win with a DDT, so finally there's like at least still some recognition that the DV- DDT is a is a devastating maneuver and a and a qualified finisher. And that's that. Yeah, that's that. There's uh, Sergeant Slaughter is backstage meeting an uh, Obama impersonator. The guy's name is Reggie Brown, and he's got the vocal ticks and stuff down pretty good, I gotta say. His the face, you know, it's not a whole lot you can do about your face, but he's he he's all right. Um, his material is is lacking too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just enjoy That's... that it's Sergeant Slaughter, who's a fake Marine, welcomes a fake Obama, who at after this point I start referring to as Fobama. Um, <laughs> Fobama. Thanks, thanks, Fobama. Yeah, Fobama. Uh, Vicky Guerrero shows up and she starts singing to Fobama for some reason. Reason, and then she's doing her best, Marilyn Monroe. Happy birthday! Except she's singing yeah. Happy Father's Day to you, and gets dragged off by Secret Service, which we are all very thankful for. Yeah, I hope they threw a hood on her and flew her to some country without an extradition treaty, like you know, or extraordinary rendition or whatever. Anyway, Sergeant Sergeant Slaughter seems to be having a good time. Oh, I mean, yeah, he's a fake Marine welcoming a fake president. So, <laughs> top notch. <laughs> he's in he's in hog heaven there. Yeah. So, um, so there's there's a lot going on with this next one. This is Alberto Del Rio's, uh, Del Rio or Del Rio's Del Rio of the yeah. river, not the rivers versus the big show. Um, so Alberto apparently ran over the big show with his car to start this feud, which, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's one way to kick off a feud. I seems to be, uh, escalating just a bit. There was something that cracked me up in that footage. So in that footage, the, the paramedics, the medical staff come running over to big show who got, I mean, it's, it's a car and the big show is like seven feet plus, so the car like clipped Big Show in the shin, basically, right? And Big Show goes down. He's clutching his knee. You know, he got hit by a car, right? The medical staff show up with a defibrillator. <laughs> you never know. I think he's okay. I don't think he needs that. Like maybe a brace and 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 a and a stretcher. But you're gonna send them over with a defibrillator and a first aid kit? Like, come on! <laughs> like it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> Show up like a welding rig. We're gonna have to weld. We're gonna have to weld this guy's leg back on. There's yeah. no. There's no two ways about it. So he got hit by a car. So we got a donor heart here on standby for you. <laughs> we got just a cooler full of organs we've been dying to use. 
The other part that cracked me up about that was um, where they kind of slow it down and spotlight Alberto Del Rio kind of running away in the background from the car. It sort of looked like Bigfoot footage almost because it's like yeah. real grainy. And like the way they have him highlighted is the way they highlight the uh, the Bigfoot on that famous footage. Anyway, was it Alberto or was it his personal ring announcer? Well, it was his personal ring announcer supposedly, yeah. but you know. Yeah, it's still ridiculous looking and like they dim everything except for like the conspiracy circle following the guy running (laughs) off into the background. So Alberto Del Rio's character is basically just a Mexican version of JBL, right? Yeah, or Million Dollar Man, maybe. Well, they're all the Million Dollar Man. It's just theme and variations here. So he's just a Mexican version of of JBL, who is a Texas version of the Million Dollar Man. So we're getting real creative with these characters. (laughs) Wait, hear me out. What if JBL, but Mexican? Yeah. Give that guy a raise. <laughs> First of all, hired. Um, so Big Show looks awful here. Like in contrast to we just saw him on WrestleMania 24. And he was like in shape yeah. and ready to go. He looks like not good at all. And this one only goes like a minute before Mark Henry gets involved and picks up Big Show and slams him through a table, which was pretty impressive. Um, he Holy carries shit. him for a few steps too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this is basically, so the match hadn't even started yet when, uh, Mark Henry ambushes big show on the outside of, of the ring and beats the shit out of big show, like picks him up, carries him over to the announce table and press slams him through the table. And the ref is counting on the big show, but the ref, but the match never started. So again, they're having issues with the basic rules of professional wrestling yeah it's almost like they got like a substitute team of referees because they're in dc and they couldn't get the usual guys or something i don't know yeah it's not great yeah uh eventually big show does beat this imaginary count and they start the (laughs) match big show sometimes is selling the leg injury and is sometimes not selling the leg injury yeah del rio's going after the knee uh pretty much the whole time eventually he does this uh, pretty vicious kick to the knee and uh, drops big show down to the mat and then puts him in some kind of submission hold and big show is unable to continue because his knee is it's just wrecked it's just totally wrecked yeah wink wink yeah so the ref this actually ends with referee stoppage so the ref something we don't see a lot in wwe the ref just stops it because it's out of control like that's like a like an NWA finish. Like there's too much blood. He's cut too bad. We got to stop this match. And so like the ref actually just stops it because the big show's knee is too bad. He can't, he, he can't defend himself. And through the whole match, you can hear the ref screaming, you got to defend yourself. Big show. You got to defend yourself. Show you got to get up like, okay, great. That's the end of that match. (laughs) Moving on. Poor big show. Unable to continue. Hopefully he had a chance to run over Alberto Del Rio with a car of his own eventually. I'm not sure actually what happened after that. I can't yeah. really say that I care. Let me get some um, uh, Naval Academy midshipmen uh, yeah. ringside going crazy during the match too, which is great. A lot of fun. They don't get out much. No, I like so. seeing those Navy boys getting getting crazy. <laughs> yeah, they do throw them all on a bus occasionally and take them out for fun stuff. Yeah. So. We went to, actually, you know, my Facebook memories just popped up with uh, Navy Night 
at the Bay Sox, Bowie Bay Sox minor league ballpark team uh, we went to a couple years back. Did you go yeah. with me to that game? Yeah, yeah we were there. there. It was like a billion uh, midshipmen in the stands. But the cool part was, is there none of them are old enough to drink. So the beer lines were fine. Like the bathroom lines were a nightmare and the ice cream lines were for shit. But the beer lines were A-OK. Yeah, nice. I remember being pissed because I couldn't get a helmet Sunday because it was just, <laughs> I was going to miss like five innings of the game to get yeah. in line for my helmet Sunday. So, uh, yeah, and like, they didn't really sit through the entire game either. It was craziness. They stood yeah. through the entire firework display after the after the game too. So exhausting, and it was hot, yeah. and they were in their dress whites. Like, oh god. Yeah, it's one of the fun things about being in the DC area. Actually, is to see you know stuff like that you see from time to time. So I remember. Uh, my parents took us, they used to bring us down to DC like once a year. We grew up in Pennsylvania. It was about, about a two hour trip, you know? So it was a good, a good, we didn't have to stay overnight. You know, we'd come down, see a museum in the morning and a museum in the afternoon and then head back. Um, and we were over by the Washington monument one time and the, uh, the Shah of Iran, I think, uh, landed in like, you know, a huge like fleet of helicopters and security. And like, it was a huge elaborate thing. And my mom took like a billion pictures and, she used to talk about it all the time. It was very memorable. But like, where else but DC do you get that kind of thing? You know, a couple couple months ago, Air Force One flew over the neighborhood. As Andrews is right down the, technically right down the street from us here, just a hop, skip, and a jump down the Capitol Beltway. And uh, whenever the Naval Academy has its graduation, it sounds like uh, we're in an air combat zone because the Blue Angels are practicing and zipping over our neighborhoods. Uh, getting their maneuvers ready for for the ceremonies and stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's a lot of interesting stuff that you get to live through in the D.C. metro area. Yeah, like the D.C. sniper. Well, that's different. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so should we talk about Ezekiel Jackson versus Wade Barrett? It's for the uh, WWE Intercontinental Championship belt. Barrett is the champ. He he comes out first, so we're telegraphing again. He does a nice little heel promo on the U.S. He talks about our corrupt government, our shitty education system, our national debt. He says, give me 20 years and every person in this building is going to be speaking Chinese. <laughs> Which I like. Boo! <laughs> Boo! Boo! USA! Boo! USA! Uh, he says that the U.S. the U.S. is nice and shiny, but it's just a hollow shell. Which, you know. It's not entirely wrong. Yeah, and he walks down the the aisle to the ring giving this promo, too. So there's no music for him, either. He just comes out just talking shit about the country. Uh, so good heel tactic. Yeah, it was great. I we was into it. Much heat. We don't get that much heat from people anymore. So. No. It's a, it's a old-school uh, Iron Sheik, uh, Nikolai Volkov stuff, you know? So the only... I'm su- Well, two things. One, I'm surprised he didn't get wooded there. Um, they do what the, uh, Obama impersonator a little bit later. Yeah. Um, but maybe they're just too mad to, uh, to what Wade Barrett there. And the second thing is Ezekiel Jackson is from Guyana. Like he's not American. I mean, he's South American, but he's not like, uh, from the United States, not from the United States. Um, so it's a little confusing. And I remember at the time actually being in the crowd and the crowd chanting USA for Ezekiel Jackson and like the guy next to me being like, he's from Guyana, <laughs> like yelling at the <laughs> people in the stands. I'm like, they don't care, man. 
They don't care. Look, if you're going, to, if one thing about a DC audience, it is a well-educated audience <laughs> for the most part. Most people in this area, you know, especially in DC, if you're working in DC and af- and able to afford WWE tickets, you most likely at least have a bachelor's degree, probably a master's degree to work your job, especially if you're working for the government. So it's a well-educated, well-read audience. They're going to know that Ezekiel Jackson is from Guyana and that a USA chant does not work here. Uh, <laughs> that is only appropriate when Hacksaw Jim Duggan is in the ring. Right. Then exactly. it doesn't matter who his opponent is. USA is the proper chant for him. Hacksaw Jim Duggan is the living embodiment of the USA. Not terribly bright, but carrying a two-by-four. Now, if Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Hulk Hogan wrestled each other Mm. and the crowd chanted USA, who gets pumped up from the USA? (laughs) I think they both do. I think both of them do until they just explode. It's a paradox. It's a paradox. Like, you you don't know what's happening. It's like dividing by zero. There's no, there's nothing. It's nothing. The universe folds in on itself and everything explodes into star-spangled nothingness. So I didn't I, – I remember Ezekiel Jackson from this event, but I didn't remember too much of him after this or before this. But he's a unit. He's got sort oh of a God. Terry Crews wrinkly head, um, big-ass muscles. He's a big dude. He's Ahmed um, Johnson with an extra 100 pounds or something. I don't – yeah, my God. Definitely shades of Ahmed Johnson, I thought. I, yeah. I think uh, Wade's actually got a great look too. He's a, a slicked yeah. hair. He's got a tattoo. He's got a very punchable face. Yeah, very um, clean shaven. He's he's going to almost for like a William Regal kind of look uh, yeah. with with his with his approach. Um, I didn't take many notes on this because basically Ezekiel Jackson just runs right through Wade Barrett. Uh, it's not quite a squash match, but it's it's close. Barrett takes like five body slams in a row, and this is like the only note I took was that Barrett was landing on his lower back for those body slams. He wasn't like doing a flat back or like letting his feet hit the mat first. It was like his lower back taking it like his lumbar region. Like, dude, you got to herniate a disc. Like you gotta, I don't like, I'm not a professional or anything like that. Uh, And like, maybe that's the proper way for taking this bump. It doesn't look like the proper way for taking it. Um, But it looked rough. Do you think that's on him or do you think that's on how Ezekiel was putting him down? I mean, it looked like he was tucking his chin to his chest. So I would say it's possibly more on Barrett. And maybe that's why he's now commentating and not wrestling. That like, <laughs> yeah, you take five of those body slams from Ezekiel Jackson like that. And you're not, you're not fighting anymore. Yeah. Ezekiel eventually gets weighed up on his shoulders in a torture wreck and gets a submission. And it's kind of funny. Wade's arm is like flailing around trying to find something to tap on. Yeah. He eventually kind of like taps on his own head, I think, or was it Ezekiel's head? I couldn't remember. Something, yeah. But it was kind of funny. There's a sign alert here. Somebody has Barack Obama for the number four, second term, which is very nice. well. Like, thank you, citizen. So yeah, I'm glad good we're job. Starting the starting the campaign early here. He gets a little uh, in-ring interview with Jerry Lawler afterwards, and he says that he just got his independence from Wade Barrett. It has a very Lex uh, Luger feel to it. I guess maybe it's just like the torture rack and the the unit physique happening that made me just like have like a it's a it's a black Lex Luger moment kind of thing, which was which was cool. I liked it. I liked him. 
I liked him in this moment. It's very clear that he doesn't last much longer with WWE, sadly, but even though they put the Intercontinental belt on him. But uh, I was looking right before we started that uh, Ezekiel Jackson was Big Rick in Lucha Underground, and I thought that was kind of cool. I was like, oh, the dude with the eye patch and always smoking a cigar. Yeah. That's him. Shit. That's him. I had no idea. So, yeah. Big Rick. Just, he just disappears into his roles, I guess. So <laughs> He's the Daniel Day-Lewis of wrestling. Yeah. Lex Luger. Black Lex Luger. Anyway, he does get in his catchphrase, personification of domination, which uh, I don't know if I don't know if he needs to clear that with Ron Simmons or um, that's nation yeah. of domination. But I don't know. it's pretty close. I felt he needed a manager. I think a manager would have done him good. I feel like if he had someone to talk for him for a little bit, that would have been that would have been a good move for him. Yeah, agreed. We get a CM Punk promo. It's actually it's actually a really good promo. I liked it a lot. He's uh, talking up his match with Rey Mysterio. He's saying, Rey's no hero. He's just a guy in a mask who's looking to get rich like the rest of us. And CM Punk is the only honest man in the business because he's up front about his motivation, which is to make money. And he's like, I'm going to go out here and do just that. Um, I thought that was actually really was a great heel promo. Um, yeah. And it fits right into his whole, you know, his later pipe bomb promo thing, right? The only honest man in the business. Uh, that I think yeah, that was kind of cool. He got a mixed pop for his 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 uh, promo. Like, there's some people that it's actually resonating with and identifying to him, and then there's uh, people that just take it as, oh, he's 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 bad guy. So it's like this blurred line between a work and and uh, kayfabe, which is which is always a fun place for them to be. Um, and at this point, after CM Punk's promo, the the phrase Washington, D.C. has been said about 500 times, like every moment possible, the commentary, the promos, they're just reminding you that you're in Washington, D.C. And I don't know if it's just if it's just something about every act going to Washington, D.C. is like I've gone to several concerts at the Verizon center, capital one arena, MCI center. And every single performer there always goes Washington DC a million times. We're ready to rock Washington DC. And then like when I saw Ozzy Osbourne and Rob zombie there, uh, Zach wild took a guitar solo and he worked in the star spangled banner into his solo. Rob zombies, guitarist worked in the star spangled banner into his guitar solo. Uh, in this moment who opened for them, they also worked in uh, the Star Spangled Banner in one of their guitar solos. And of course, there was always scream for me, DC constantly. So, like, I don't know if it's just something about performing in Washington, DC that makes people want to say Washington, DC over and over and over again. But they've said Washington, DC a whole lot in the show so far. <laughs> yeah i don't know something it's got a euphonious ring to it you know it sounds it sounds impressive when you say a washington dc but you don't say philadelphia pa i mean you do in the the song but not you know philadelphia pa new york ny nobody says that um yeah i don't know something something uh people just like the sound of it i guess Um, i guess it's interesting it's interesting that they're working in the Star Spangled Banner because this is not, this is a very liberal town. Um, you know, like you said, a lot, a lot of educated people here, people who come to work on policy, people who come to work for nonprofits, um, 
people to come for school. Obviously this is not like sort of a, a blind patriotic military heavy, you know, kind of town. It's a, it's um it's a much it's a much smarter place than that um so that's that's like a cheap pop but like yeah it's also kind of the wrong crowd for it you know and then everybody knows that the star spangled banner was written in baltimore not in washington (laughs) dc so it doesn't even belong to the city so what the fuck what the fuck indeed yeah there is a lot of like patriotic display as opposed to political display through this whole show and that's very interesting and a fascinating angle that they're going for that like because you're right like dc isn't actually a super patriotic place it's a very people are proud of their work and stuff but it's also not like i guess it's a different form of patriotism it's a more traditional form of patriotism as opposed to like the blind allegiance patriotism that occurs elsewhere in the country. Yeah, honestly, I mean, it's the kind of like put your head down and, and do stuff for the good of the nation, you know, and a lot of you know folks that I know who work for the government. Yeah, there's always jokes about government jobs, et cetera, et cetera. But like, you know, people who work for, you know, defense and, um, you know, some of those things people who do like policy stuff on like education or health i mean they're serious about it right and they're um they're not rah rah usa they're like look we got to make this shit as good as we can so we take care of our citizens so we have a decent place to live anyway it's it's um yeah it's sort mean, of the the blind patriotism thing i think i find you find either with you know with the military crowd or with people who get sort of are sort of divorced from the actual uh, machinations that's maybe a bad connotation but the the workings of of government you know and all it takes to actually get things done yeah i mean that's 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 exactly my point now i feel i mean i'm i'm a government employee and the thing is is that when you the the bureaucracy is actually the ones that get everything done they're the ones that make sure the mail's delivered they're the ones that you that make sure you you pay your property taxes and stuff like that too they're the ones that make sure the water and the power's on they're the ones that you go to when you need uh any kind of financial assistance from the government like they're the ones that are doing the work and uh that's what dc is filled with they're not it's not just politicians but actual government workers that are make that are keeping the cogs going and making sure the mail goes out on Monday, you know, kind yep. of stuff. So yeah, it's making a very sure grandma, interesting culture. Making sure your grandma gets her social security check. Right. Things are, things are important. Anyway, I don't mean to go off on a, on a diversion here, but I, I do well, think it's an okay. interesting, it's an interesting dynamic. There's not a lot else yeah. to talk about. In this we, fucking show. we have, we have time to talk about it because Ray Mysterio is going to take, take all of this time to get to the ring because every single little shit kid that's wearing a Rey Mysterio mask, he has to stop and talk to and headbutt, (laughs) gently headbutt uh, along the way to the ring. Like Rey Mysterio's entrance takes a ridiculous amount of time because he's got to stop and like nudge everybody. It's just, it's, it's out of control. (laughs) I'm kind of on CM Punk's side here. Maybe like, yeah, Let's just uh, let's just collect a check and get on with it here. Yeah, like uh, like uh, Ultimate Warrior, he just ran to the ring, so there's no time. He's got work to do. <laughs> He's not paid by the hour, 
And then you had Demolition who had spikes on just so that the kids wouldn't touch him. Uh, but Ray's got to stop and touch everybody, and it's just weird. Um, and you can, Do you think he's maybe like part <clears throat> kitty? That's why he does the headbutts, kitty headbutts. Possibly, possibly. And he's like purring in their ears and stuff. It's kind of weird. <laughs> he does kind of look adorable. like a cat. Like this, I don't yeah. know. It's something about his eyes. Those colored contact lenses kind of looking yeah. cat eyes. Um, I don't, this is a decent match. It's a good back and I'd forth like action. A lot, actually. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Um, lots of lots of yeah. reversals. These guys are are a really good pairing to each other. They're a good counterpoint for each other. I think. Um, there's back and forth action. There's momentum shifts. Um, then you have uh, Punk is doing these really cool little things that are like instead of like punching. He like gets kind of close to the ropes and pushes Ray into the ropes and then headbutts him off of the rebound each time, which is a really interesting little move. And the commentating, this is where it really starts getting off the rails. And it's very it's starting to become clear in in Jerry Lawler's tone that I suspect he doesn't like this angle with Michael Cole being a heel. He's it's just exhausting him. And he doesn't want to deal with it. And Booker T is trying to stay out of the mess. He's just backing off. He's not talking much. And this is where during the show, we start getting silence from the commentating booth. Like they're, they're not saying anything. So suddenly you have Michael Cole, who's normally talking uh, like a mile a minute and never giving any breath to where suddenly there's minutes of silence from commentary because they don't know what to say. And they don't know what they're doing. And they're all really angry with what they're doing. <laughs> Maybe that's why I like this match more than some of the others. So the yeah, silence. it's possible because like they just let the, this action gets to breathe. There's a great false finish where uh, uh, Rey Mysterio lands a big kick on, on CM Punk and goes for the pin and it doesn't happen. And then Punk reverses the 619 into a go to sleep for a really impressive finish. And it's 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 a great match. It just goes bell to bell action. It's great. Yeah. I enjoyed this one a lot. Yeah. The finish, um, Ray sort of ducks out of the go to sleep and drops punk on the middle rope. So he's setting him up for the six one nine, but he goes and as he swings around punk kind of ducks under Ray's legs and then just stands up and puts Ray up on his shoulders and, uh, and hits him with a go to sleep. It was, that's a great finish. I thought it was really clever uh, and really smooth too. And now we're in the point of the show too, where everybody is current or former champion, because this is the time period where WWE was just like, let's have a title change every week, I guess. <laughs> Um, because I mean, CM Punk at this point has won the Money in the Bank match twice and ch- cashed it in twice. Uh, Rey Mysterio had become champion. Like it's, it's just every everybody's has been champion at this point. And this is this is the reason why I didn't like the Money in the Bank match because it's actually better reward than winning the Royal Rumble. And so, yeah. like, just that one thing devalues an entire pay per view and tradition, and like just and it then devalues the title. And we've already had two title changes on this show. Dolph Ziggler took the U.S. championship off of uh, Kofi Kingston, and Ezekiel Jackson took the Intercontinental belt off of Wade Barrett. So this is, uh, you know, a lot of lot of churn for, uh, I mean, what basically feels like a house show. I mean, it's a pay-per-view, but it kind of feels like a house show. Next, uh, you ready for the next match? Yeah. <laughs> Randy Orton versus Christian for the World Heavyweight Championship match. Uh, Randy Orton was boring 10 years ago and he's still boring now. 
Um, the only thing good is that he has his better music now. Did you notice that? So yeah. WrestleMania 24, he had some shitty nondescript music. And this one, he has the voices in my head talking to me song that I kind of like, actually. I don't um, like it, but the fine. video package seems to like both of these guys are heels. Am I like, did you yeah. kind of again, yeah. you can't tell who is face and heel. And then the commentating does nothing to help you with it. Yeah. The, he introduced the champion first again. And then yeah. we get a sign that says Orton's hot Ovechkin's not. <laughs> I saw that one. This must've been one of the years when the caps didn't do so well. No. Uh, there, was a, I, there were a lot of those. The uh, one great thing that I also loved was that in the background, uh, Orton holds up the belt, right? He's standing on on the uh, on the turnbuckle, second rope, facing the crowd away from the uh, hard cam, and he holds up the belt. And there's a fan that like also holds up their fake belt <laughs> and like nods to to Orton. Like, he helped Orton win the title, and that, that they're the partner, right? <laughs> And then the dude is also wearing an ATF hat. Oh my God. That's amazing. So, so he's covered in fakes. He's the fake world champion and he's a fake federal agent. Like, I just hope that guy can be himself one day. I hope so too. If you haven't been to DC, there are a ton of like sidewalk vendors and stuff who sell, uh, you know, knockoff, uh, merch with all the various federal so you could buy hats to say you're in the CIA or the FBI or the ATF obviously um you can buy things with like the presidential seal on them like and you know they're all they're all shittily made you used to sell like five t-shirts for ten dollars or something some of those stands um I'm pretty sure I bought an FBI shirt when I was like eight years old down here one time and I thought it was awesome well you um, have to well yeah I'm like oh people are gonna think I'm in the FBI like I'm fucking eight Nobody it's like knows. how I, I got a, a Coast Guard auxiliary hat out of a claw machine once around here. <laughs> that's the kind of that's the kind of stuff that you have around here. So Do like you I use got it this, to uh, get a military discount. Uh, so funny story. Uh-oh. I was wearing it one day, and so and a uh, I'm sitting. I think it was like a Walmart McDonald's with my parents, and I'm wearing this Coast Guard auxiliary hat. And the guy comes up to me and is like, oh, what ship were you on? And I was like, I, I wasn't I wasn't on a ship. He's like, oh, was someone in your family on on, on a ship? I'm like, no. It's <laughs> like, well, what what did you do in the Coast Guard? I'm like, I'm not in was, the Coast Guard. I, I don't know. What, like, one, I forgot that I, I'm wearing the hat. Like, so I'm like, <laughs> I don't know why you're asking me this stuff. And he's like, well, your hat. I'm like, oh, I got it out of a claw machine. <laughs> And he's what? Yeah, That's I wanted out. Of, I wanted out of a claw machine at the movie theater. It's like, and he just walks away from me. He should have been happy for you. Be like, "That's a bitchin' hat." I'm kind of yeah. jealous. So I also have a USS Yorktown hat that I bought as a souvenir from the USS Yorktown in Charleston. So if you're not familiar with what the USS Yorktown is, it's a it's an aircraft carrier that has been decommissioned and is uh, a giant museum now in Charleston Harbor. And it's probably the coolest thing, like military attraction I've ever done, because you pay like a flat fee and you get on this aircraft carrier and they're like, if the doors open, you can go in. And there's a lot of open doors. That's pretty cool. So it's just free to roam the entire damn aircraft carrier. So like there's pictures of me on the deck and like there's pictures of me at the helm. 
on the bridge and stuff like that. Anyways, I had this hat <laughs> and uh, I'm sitting at the movie theater with uh, friends. And this was before you could buy like reserved tickets and reserved seating. So like if you wanted to go to see the new Batman, you had to get to the movie like an hour early and just sit there and wait for the theater to empty out so you could go in and get seats together decently. And so we're sitting there and I'm just talking shit. I'm wearing this hat. I'm talking to my friends and like, yeah, I used to be a, a a rear admiral in the Navy. I served on the Yorktown in the Pacific. Uh, we, we served on the Pacific rim. Uh, we used to call it the rim job. Uh, it's and like, and one of like the managers of, of the movie theater thought I was like for real. And he came over and was like talking to me, like I'm like 20 something. <laughs> And he's believing that I'm a rear admiral in the Navy. <laughs> that I'm a retired rear admiral. And yeah. I I start I start just making shit up. I talk about how like we used to like do top secret trainings in the Everglades. Wow. And like you would have to we would pretend that the gators were Charlie and that we would have to hold your guns above your head when you're walking through the swamp so that your munitions don't get wet. Like what is this? Like fucking musket balls? You know? So they sat on the floor around me for like 20 minutes just listening to me make shit up about being an admiral in the Navy on the Yorktown on a, on an aircraft carrier that hasn't seen action since like Vietnam. <laughs> We're going to have to call this episode stolen honor. Yeah. So uh, I don't wear those hats anymore. Just so people know. <laughs> Yeah, probably for the an, best. It's, it's enough of that. Enough of that crap. I mean, I was in my twenties. I was stupid, young and stupid. So that's what you do. Anyways, Randy Orton <laughs> versus Christian. I don't know. I don't know what happened. Randy Orton won. I think he kept the belt. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't care. There's this. I, I hate just, his. I, I hate his beard. Yeah, his beard is trash. Again, I don't like Christian. I don't think Christian was main event caliber. Just like I don't think Edge is uh or was and uh, they do an old school check for foreign objects at the start of the match i like that but it was so damn fast that he could have had a cinder block in his tights and the ref would have missed it and again we're getting these long pockets of silence from the commentary just because they're exhausted they're tired of their bullshit we're tired of their bullshit and so they just the best things out of this match is Orton really does a good job selling his concussion recovery through this match. So like anytime like his head makes a drastic change in position, he acts like he's a little dizzy and stuff. And that's, it's really, really convincing to someone that doesn't know much about head trauma. And, um, the rest of this match is just kind of ugly Christian. You can see Christian help Orton on a superplex. Like you can see him climb all the way up the ropes. Yeah. So that he can do the superplex on him. Uh, Christian looks like he has jaundice. His fake tan did not take well. He's very um, yellow. He's very yellowish green here. It's not a good yeah. look. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he's got <clears throat> liver damage or something happening. <laughs> and then the finish again, the rope rules. And we just talked rope, about this yeah. in another episode. Christian's leg was under the rope for that pin. The ref can see it still counts it still calls the match over and the commentary 
there's got to be something going on in their ear telling them not to talk about it, that it's another messed up spot. Don't talk about it. But then it's it's too obvious to ignore. And so Christian is complaining about it in the ring. I mean, I know it's all kayfabe. I know, I know, I know. But Christian is at least arguing it so that it looks like it's a legit like mistake. But commentary is ignoring it until it's too obvious to ignore that Christian's leg is very clearly under the ropes. And like Michael Cole is like, his legs are under the ropes. And then Lawler's like, well, you know, it's a judgment call from the ref. You can't really tell from that angle, but you can hear in Lawler's voice that he it's bullshit. He knows that it's under the ropes and that they're having some real issues with wrestling rules tonight. (laughs) I feel like if the commentators had had some coast guard hats to talk about, they would have been maybe. much more entertained, you know, maybe. they would have been had something to chat about at least. So. Yeah. Maybe if no, they served th- on the Pacific Rim job, they would have, uh, <laughs> fighting the Kaiju. Yeah. I remember <laughs> anyway. Well, I hope those people, uh, all went and joined the Navy after listening to your stories. So maybe you, maybe you inspired them to serve. Uh, um, Evan Bourne is going against Jack Swagger. Um, Wikipedia says this is actually an impromptu match. So I don't know if yeah. they were running short um, or what went on here exactly. It caused yeah, them. something, something weird happened. So one, we have, we, we have this entrance by this Keith stone guy that comes out with the Bella twins and a pack of bud light. Now, like, I don't understand. I kind of remember this guy, but I don't understand anything that's happening with him or with the Bella twins. The only thing I will say is that that dude shirt was awesome. Yeah. I want one of those Rick Rude shirts. So basically it's this like silhouette of like Rick Rude with his luscious mullet mullet like hair and mustache and it just says ravishing underneath it. It's it's a top notch shirt. Yeah. And then they replay that video package of of our truth, like the entire thing that they showed at the opening of the show. They show it again. And this is when I'm like, are they vamping? Like it feels like something is weird, and then and then Justin Roberts, who's the ring announcer for WWE at the time, comes out and says, "This is a special attraction match." Like, oh, okay. And it's Jack Swagger and Evan Bourne. Like, why are these guys here? Why are they fighting? <laughs> yeah, it's they don't very look strange. ready. It's very strange. Um, so Keith Stone is. I I just I remember this just when you said his name. He he was a it was a, a Keystone beer commercial um and that that was his gimmick he was a redneck named keith stone and he drank keystone um so that's all it's it's basically Uh, like having the it's basically like having the budweiser frogs in your wrestling show um or the uh or the girls the girls from that had the pillow fight the right exactly yeah so anyway but yeah his that uh, rick rude shirt is badass if i could I should probably check eBay and see if I can find one of those. It says uh, they had a Evan Bourne and Jack Swagger had sort of a mini feud leading up to Capital Punishment, and they had wrestled a bunch of times. But there's no real purpose or setup for this. It just kind of happens. Uh, and much like uh, Randy Orton, um, Jack Swagger was boring ten years ago, and he's boring today. Um, he is—he's the world's most boring wrestler, and he looks like 
You know, he looks like a million bucks. He's in shape. He looks like Biff from Back to the Future. He does look like Biff. <laughs> he kind of has a derp face. We talked about Christian having a derp face in the past. Uh, I feel like Jack Swagger has a has a derp face. Also, Evan Bourne kind of looks like the poor man's Cody Rhodes. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of... This match is hastily thrown together. Bourne looks like a looks like a jobber, mostly, through this match. Uh, commentary seems exhausted. I'm going to keep picking on them because at some point they start asking each other if they've ever been the victim of child abuse, basically. <laughs> asking if, if their daddy's ever taken them out and whipped them. Uh, Jerry Lawler mentions getting DDT'd by his dad. And, like, it starts getting awkwardly quiet. And, like, Jerry just mentions not having a great relationship with his dad. And it's just like, <laughs> what what the fuck is happening in this show? <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. It's, uh. and, and then, like, there's some great counters at the very This match comes out of nowhere. And there's some great counters that leads to the most exciting finish of the whole night. But, you know, uh, like, uh, Swagger puts on and ankle lock but like it somehow gets countered into an inside cradle for the win and it's a very fancy little out of nowhere bam 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 finish and it's and it's good and then we get cut to a uh, a bullying psa yeah nobody cares at all the crowd doesn't give a shit after jerry lawler talks about getting ddt'd by his dad and we get a <laughs> bullying PSA. Don't bully. Like, don't DDT your children. So I wonder if maybe um, John Cena got caught in traffic. Like maybe his flight was late coming in or he got, because, you know, DC traffic is fucking terrible. Yeah. Sundays usually aren't too bad in town. This was a Sunday, but you, it's also highly unpredictable. And that would maybe explain why they are trying to stretch. Um, so the other thing they do to stretch is Booker T shows the uh, the fake, the Fobama how to do a spinneroony yeah um, and the fobama does some really terrible um half-ass breakdancing moves uh, he now he does get wadded during that yes whole he does thing pretty seriously there's a there so like fobama comes out and they have the soldiers at a ringside salute him and right as the crowd starts to get quiet you can hear some fans scream you're bullshit <laughs> They're not buying the Fobama. They don't think that's really Obama. They're seeing right through it. I like that uh, Obama says that he's not the raw GM, which was hilarious because I do remember that angle to where there was there was the, a mystery yeah. person was calling all the shots on Raw, and that he prefers Jr. on commentary, which I agree with, and that the crowd is very divided over the main event. Like, yeah, no shit. Uh, and then Booker T calls him homie. He calls the president yeah. or <laughs> fake president homie um but i mean one if you want us to believe that's really obama put him in a suit that fucking fits him like the suit doesn't fit him like the it's the jacket's too big the shoulders are too loose come on yeah say what you want about obama but that dude is always impeccably dressed he had well tailored stylish president since kennedy so yeah get him together he makes a joke about it's about our truth how he's saying he's like uh, Joe Biden, he doesn't, he's just not sure what the, what he's saying all the time, but he likes yeah, him. something like so, that. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, some, yeah. And then there's a National Guard PSA. They yeah. are really stalling for time. <laughs> and then we get the world's longest video package on R-Truth versus John Cena, and they sort of yeah. run down the whole story, going back to the beginning of time, I think. So, um, so the, the single-celled organisms that would become R-Truth and John Cena crawled out of the primordial sludge uh, and and then we just have you know 
millennia of uh, of progress and evolution, eventually leading to these two uh, feuding because our truth doesn't want to rap anymore. And in that video package, John Cena says that he walks down that ramp every week as himself, yet he pretends to be a Marine. <laughs> and then I just, I just felt sympathy for the Spanish announcers because they're just sitting there in folding chairs, holding little folders of papers, no monitors. They're just sitting there sad. Their table destroyed early on <laughs> in the show. They just like, yeah. Oh, poor guys. Poor guys. You and so you and John Cena have a lot alike, you know. You're both uh, both pretend veterans. Yeah, stolen valor for the win. <laughs> All right, let's get to this championship match before I I die of uh, wasting disease here. Um, John Cena versus r Truth. It's a championship match. Um, Justin Roberts is on the uh, ring announcing, and fuck that guy, he's terrible. He does the John Cena thing that he does with yeah. <laughs> Eat some more fiber. I know. Or less fiber. I'm not sure which. Um, But so uh, R-Truth sort of starts out with the offense. There's lots of pin attempts. Cena makes a comeback with some shoulder blocks. Uh, So I actually kind of like R-Truth in the ring. Like He's a a legit talented dude. Um, He does this one cool move that starts as a suplex and then turns into a stunner. I never saw that before. Um, that That was pretty good. Yeah, I'm so tapped out at this point with this event. Uh, at this point, also, once you can tell that you've become big time in WWE when you have a move that when your opponent is prone, you can look to the audience to do a little taunt and then do a basic move on them, such as John Cena's five finger shuffle and like the people's elbow. Well, our truth has a leg drop, so he does a little dance and then he drops a leg on him. Like that's that's how you know that you're big time. You got one of those moves. Yeah. Um, you can't tell who is face and heel in this match. It doesn't matter that like our truth is super crazy and like John Cena is like the next coming of Hulk Hogan. You can't tell, and the crowd isn't helping. The commentary isn't helping. Everything's confusing. I got really annoyed by the Cena Nation portmanteau, the Cena Nation, C Nation. I didn't know how to what to do with it. I didn't like them saying Cena Nation because that's two words, but it's C Nation. Like did you, I don't do you yeah, know? No, I know what you. I know. I don't know how you say it. I I I refuse to accept it. It's Cena Nation or get the fuck out. That's what I got. That's what I got. Yeah. Uh the the action in this match is all bland because I mean it's John Cena and r Truth and their main WWE main eventers, so they're not allowed to do anything except for hit each other and then lay down. So there's no like real much exchanges. Cena never is really done, like exchanges our truth is in control most of this match it's this match is super short for it was. a title main event and it's got to be because someone was stuck in traffic or or late or banging the bella twins in the back or something because i mean <laughs> cena's married or was married to one of them so who knows were they married um, or just engaged i'm not sure it wasn't it the matter. reality show happening here around this time soon yeah um, Nobody cares. No, I well, so watch it. There's a decent, um, there's a curfew for sure. And they may have been trying to wrap it up by 11 o'clock or so. Yeah. But yeah, it just sort of, it just kind of ends. I did like the finish though. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. That was cute. What, uh, what's his name? R-Truth uh, really beats the crap out of Cena. And Cena's like unconscious out of the ring. And R-Truth goes to gloat while outside of the ring. He takes this kid's drink and 
and drinks from it. He was ringside. And he gives the drink back to the kid. And then the kid throws the drink in his face. And then Cena is magically conscious. Grabs him. Puts him in the ring. Gives him the attitude adjustment. One, two, three. That's the win. Thanks for coming, everybody. Good night. And we're done. He gets yeah. the little kid up in the ring that uh, helped him get the win. Gives him some high fives and hugs and stuff. The kid seems to be pretty excited. Um, it was very abrupt. Um, yeah. It was like, TikTok. let's go. Yeah. <laughs> There's an obligatory shot of Cena with some... Uh, guys in uh, camouflage rings ringside um wikipedia has 14 minutes 45 seconds on this match which is just a hair longer than the randy orton versus christian match and actually shorter than the cm punk versus ray mysterio match to be honest with you this is this is like uh an extended monday night raw episode really yeah it definitely feels like it and i think every monday night raw from like the year of like 1996 through 2003 was better than this show (laughs) well i'm sorry that i attended this in the year 2011 thus causing us to have to watch it again now i don't remember leaving there i don't remember if we took metro or drove we probably took we probably drove honestly in 2011 i had sort of had enough of the metro by that point um so and there were few enough people there we probably stayed to the end to catch all of it I'm a big fan of leaving things early uh, to beat the traffic, but 9,000 people at that place, at least half of whom go to the Metro immediately after um, that, that wasn't that bad to get out of there. So I don't necessarily remember like match for match, all this stuff that happened. I remember sort of the general feel and look of the thing. I remember some of the individuals who were there and I remember that USA chant (laughs) for Ezekiel Jackson and being kind of confused by it. But otherwise, it's not a terribly memorable. It's no King of the Ring 94. That's for goddamn sure. No. Do you still have your ticket stub? I probably do. I keep most of those things. I have a little um, scrapbook. I stick all those things in. Yeah, I I have my ticket collection somewhere. I don't remember. I knew how I have one. I never did much with it. I've only now, once I've reached maturity, that I'm actually like keeping like the stuff that I've gotten that I find precious uh, in like nice things. So speaking of which, I got to I got to go upstairs and grab that Ric Flair autographed card that uh, my brother-in-law got me uh, for my birthday. It is very spiffy and I need to protect it better than just the like little card protector that's in it. I need to actually put it in the binder that I have down in the basement here. Um, Yeah, I would probably frame that shit with a picture or something next to my um, National Park pamphlet binder and my postcard (laughs) collection and my lapel pin collection. Mm-hmm. Wait, didn't you say you'd reached maturity? Yeah, hmm. yeah, oh, yeah. cuz all those things are in nice things now. They're not just in oh, shoe okay. boxes and shit. <laughs> okay. like, like I have four shadow boxes full of lapel pens and I have binders for the national park pamphlets and postcards and wrestling autographs now. So with proper right. like like archival sleeves and stuff for acid reduction and uv light protection so suck it (laughs) you're very fancy i am is it worth picking a best and worst match here or is it not even um yeah i mean i think i think so because i mean the the best match for me is going to be cm punk versus Rey mysterio i don't know about you yeah i would agree with that it's definitely the most it's the most interesting one uh i like that finish a lot um has a lot of good back and forth 
good promo leading up to it. You need to cut like 20 minutes off of uh, Ray's entrance, but otherwise it's a good, good match. I mean, it seemed like he could have done another 20 minutes just to save time. <laughs> like, eat up some more time for them. I think my worst match is going to be Miz versus Alex Riley. The best best part yeah. of that match was the, was the dude with the sign that says "I love you, Dad." <laughs> um, good thing you didn't take your dad with you to to the wrestling matches on Father's Day, like a good son would, like I did. Right. <laughs> I hope uh, I hope Jerry Lawler didn't see that sign and get have lots of feelings about it. You know. Make him extra I mean, sad. that's probably what spurred that conversation was that he saw that <laughs> "I love you, Dad," and he like a single tear went down his overly tanned face. He just he took his crown off and cradled it in his hand sadly. All this, all these achievements, my father still doesn't love me. I know. Anyway, I'd say uh, mine was probably uh, Randy Orton versus Christian. Maybe two of the world's most boring guys in the ring together being boring. Randy Orton having an absolutely trash beard, Christian being very yellow, nothing, nothing to see, nothing to get too excited about. Yeah. Did you have, did you have a, oh shit moment? I, the only one I can think of honestly is Mark Henry fucking picking up the big show and slamming him through that table. That was pretty yeah. impressive. Yeah. I think that's, that's mine. Cause just thinking about it again, I'm going, shit, that really happened. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's, that's going to be mine mine as well i mean it's it's up there with my oh look oh shit uh our truth is in a confederate officer uniform and <laughs> yeah um, that's pretty serious yeah and oh shit ezekiel jackson is scary looking oh shit they're talking about being abused by their fathers um <laughs> but yeah that's gonna be that's gonna be it for me i think the the yeah the 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 slam that took out the Spanish announce table that left them sitting there practically naked for like an hour and a half. Poor guys. That's had a mild, not maybe not quite oh shit, but more of a head scratchers. How does our truth wrestle with all those piercings in his face? Seems very dangerous. Carefully, very carefully. Yeah, looks like he tripped and fell in a tackle box. It's not, it's not healthy. Yeah, does OSHA apply it to professional wrestling? I doubt it. Yeah, I have a hard time believing they. Uh, would consent to that although maybe now that they're publicly traded who knows well i'm glad we had a chance to watch it even if it didn't end up being the best show in the world hopefully you all found something entertaining enough in our uh descriptions of it and our perplexedness uh at the goings-ons here uh if you've seen this show or if you haven't seen this show and you want to you know send us a message about it send us your questions your comments you can always do that on the internets at www.allthewrestlemanias.com you can always shoot us an email at allthewrestlemanias at gmail.com find us on twitter at wrestlemania pod we're on facebook and instagram just look for all the wrestlemanias you'll pop right up so again we hope you uh, enjoyed taking this little journey back to 2011 with us to our nation's capital washington dc so and yeah, I guess everybody here is alive. Yeah, I know. I don't even have an in-memoriam section. Damn, I really like that song. Oh, sorry. You can still oh, play uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> Just in-memoriam to WWE Capital Punishment from 2011. Yeah, for being being really, really shitty. It's not dead, but we kind of wish it was. Yeah. Alrighty. So for now, I'm your co-host, Tim. And I'm Rich. Saying so long, everybody. Yeah.